Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 8.25? Precisely. Yeah. I'm waiting for school. You know, I have one simple request. And that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. You are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Well, whatever it is, it's gotta get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray! Welcome to Get a Load of This Movie, a franchise movie podcast. Yes, you have found us once again, believe it or not. My name is Corey. Hey, what's up? I'm Cole. And I'm Zach. And we have a phenomenal episode for you. I know since we've already done it, you know, it's in the past. We cut this thing up. And so we're actually recording this after, you know, after the fact. We haven't actually, uh, we haven't released it, but we already recorded it. And I can say for, I think I speak for everyone when I say this is probably one of our best episodes yet. Right, guys? What are you talking about, man? He's saying, <laughs> he's saying we've already done this. So we, we have already done so it. Much, here so right much now. damn bullshit on this show. We just spew we, out such lunacy. We have, we have a new game. ideas and bits. Yep. We, we have, we have uh, James Bond, No Time to Die. I just can't, I oh, just yeah, don't, part I don't it. know how <laughs> this is. I don't know how we're leading off top with that. We have a game and no time to die on the no time to die episode. A new, a new game, a new game. Don't forget that it's a new game on no time to die on no time to die day. Anyway, I don't think we. I, I'm excited to get into it. So without further ado, the mm. green light. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Okay, so this film began development all the way back in 2016 with Danny Boyle attached to the direct. Uh, Danny Boyle had directed 28 Days Later, Sunshine, uh, won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire, so big name. Uh, also, Train Spotting and Train Spotting too. But he left the project in 2018 due to creative differences. And Man, Carrie, creative differences always undefeated. Yeah. And then uh, Carrie Fukunaga was signed on to direct the film just a month later. He would be the first American director to direct a Bond film. Hell yeah. <laughs> They're James Bond. He's ours now. But anyway, the film experienced multiple delays due in part to Boyle's departure, but also to a little thing known as the COVID-19 pandemic. The film would eventually release in 2021 against a 301 estimated million dollar budget. It grossed $774.2 million. The film was, you know, met in the middle on Letterboxd with a 3.5 average and... Same in between, you know, Skyfall, Casino Royale, Inspector, and Quantum. It has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. As far as new cast, you have Lashana Lynch as Nomi, aka the new 007, Rama, Rami Malik as Safin, Billy Magnuson as Logan Ash, and Ana de Armas as Paloma. Hmm. Mm. 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 
But that's all I got for the green light. I think it's time for the call sheet. Uh, does Harvey know about you and his little bunny? <laughs> Where are they? Killing is making a choice. Where are they? Choose between one life or the other. Your friend, the district attorney. Or his blushing bride to be. Guys, I am excited for this one. I think I really outdid myself here. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I just went back to something that's tried and true. Nothing that we've done before, but I think this is going to be a good addition uh, to the repertoire that is the call sheet and the different options that I could pull out of my hat. I'm going to try to keep adding to it. Um, but today, we have a good old-fashioned draft. Uh-oh, we're going to be drafting characters from this movie, but here's the catch. There are two options yep. of what we're going to be drafting for, okay? I came up with two different options, and Cole, pick option one or two. You're just going to, it's like flip, you're picking option number one. Are you sure? Is that what you're staying yes. with? Okay, so we no, are going, going to two. No, Dude, I'll stay with I, one. I, you're locked in on one already. I can't. I can't be doing this with you. We're not going to have this. Disqualification. Anyway. Disqualification. Okay, Zach wins. Well, that was the call Four sheet, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, no, okay. So we're going with the option one. So what we will be doing today is we are drafting uh, actors based on their highest certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes score for a movie Whoa. that they <laughs> have been in, okay? I am sending a list of 12 actors in our group chat right now. Uh, do you guys mm -hmm. see it? Yes. Okay. So what we are going to be doing, um, we're going to start with Cole because he is in last place in our standings, and we're going to go back and forth, and you guys are going to draft five uh, actors each. Okay? Zach, please, for our audience, can you go through the list of 12 names really quick and just list them off so people in the audience yep. know who we're dealing with? Yep. Here we go. Daniel Craig. Uh, Lee Sado. 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 Yeah, go. it's not yep. that easy, isn't it? Well, it's not my job. <laughs> go fuck yourself. No, I put him yep. on the spot. I was going to put yep. you on Ra the spot, but I figured I, I, I'd save you from my Ra embarrassment. Rami Malek, uh, Lashana Lynch, Ray Fine, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, Rory Kinnear, Jeffrey Wright, Billy Magnuson, Christoph Waltz, Ana de Armas. Perfect. Thank you so much. So there are 12 names there. You guys are each going to be picking five. So there's going to be two names not on the board. Okay. Got it. Uh, there is a tiebreaker that is already set in stone. So there is a way to win, even if uh, you guys tie at the end. But we're going to, like, let's say, here, I'm going to, quick explanation of the game. Let's say, uh, Cole, you pick Rami Malik and Daniel Craig, and both of them have a, their highest movie. For example, I'm not, these aren't the actual numbers, are both 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. I would add that together. And so we're going to do that for all five uh, actors for each team. Okay. And whoever has the highest score just by the numbers, it is going to be considered a winner. You guys ready? Yeah. You guys fully understand? Yes. Not really, cool. but uh, kind of. What, what, uh, what, what, what go... Wait, 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 wait. Zach, what are you confused by? Let's let's hammer it I, out now. So I mean, I, I'm just I'm just I'm picking who I think has the highest rated movie. That's that's it. Yes, and you want to get the the uh, five people on this list that Cole mm -hmm. doesn't pick. That. Yep will get you to the highest score possible. Yep. Does that make sense? Got it. So yep. you you want the highest. The second option was going to be the lowest. Oh. That well, that's actually kind of interesting, but uh That, that would have been fun. 
I mean, oh, we can do that too. One, uh, it, no, because no, no, like at this. a certain point, a person's lowest, you know, movie might be something they were in for like two seconds and like that came out when they were like 20 and, and some bullshit that no one's ever heard of, you know? So it's, yeah, this is, a, it's better this way. Okay. So it's their highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Cole, who is the first pick of the draft? Rafe Fines. God damn it. Mm. I wanted that Schindler's List Rotten Tomato. Okay. Yeah, okay. Fucker. Okay, Zach, your pick. Do you guys want me to say <sighs> the score of yes. each one as I you mean, pick once them? You, as you pick, yeah, as we go. Okay, so Ray finds a 98%. Yeah, I thought that, was it Schindler's List? It was Schindler's List, correct. Yeah, I was, yeah, it's <laughs> one I wanted. Uh, do we get to snake draft this, or does he get? Is, do I just go after him each time? We're just, just gonna go back and forth. We're just gonna do back and forth. What's up with all these random advantages given to Cole? I, I, just under, I don't understand it. Okay, Here, uh, here's the Waltz. thing. I don't. I, I don't think it's necessarily an advantage with this. I mean, yeah, you get to pick two people, but how I, is I, it not? This one it was more. How is that? It was more of. It's more of a dynamic. Okay, so we can. It'll, be, it'll okay. play better. Christoph Waltz, uh, Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio, 96. Well, that wasn't the one I was going to guess, but... I'm going to go Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. And I'm going to guess wanna... Moonlight is it, first. It is Moonlight, and it is 98%. Zach, back to you. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say, give me a, give me that, uh, that Jeffrey Wright top, top Rotten Tomato score. Jeffrey Wright, it was Casino Royale at 94%. Wow, well, I had really no idea, I just assumed he'd be in a good one. I'm gonna go Lashana Lynch, because I know the Woman King did really well on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was also just a really good Mm -hmm. movie. Lashana Lynch, that's a 94, and it is The Woman King. Uh, hook me up with uh, Rami Malik for that Oppenheimer score. One second. Hey. You bastard, man. I forgot about that one. Uh, well, here's the thing about that one, Zach. Oh, there's that one is actually That is actually not his highest score. Swell, because I already know that was high, so yeah. Rami Malik, it will be a 98 percent mm. and the movie was short term 12 ah wow movie. short short term 12 uh cole back yep. to you uh damn you know what give me give me that daniel craig give me that daniel craig daniel craig this is actually gonna i think this might influence, also casino influence zach or it, Skyfall? Uh, it is 97% and it is Knives Out. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also going to do uh, Ana de Armas for Ana. <laughs> Knives Out. <laughs> also for Knives Ana. Out. If not high, is there something higher Ana. than that? For her? No, her, her highest was Knives Out. You can take uh, okay. the blonde score if you want. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay, guys, the, I, I'll tell you this. Cole, it's back to you, but the top player has not been taken out yet. Uh, all right, keep going. How does that... What, what do you... I'm not giving anything I'm gonna away. I'm going to give Ben Winshaw. Just go. Just go. I'm going to take Ben Winshaw. Ben Winshaw. 
Let me lock it in on that one. That, that women Winshaw. talking score is probably pretty good. 99% and it was Paddington 2. He was in Paddington 2, one of the main He actors. is Paddington. He is Paddington. Uh, Colt or Zach, back to you. Uh this is just this game is just defeating my spirit. Um <laughs> I guess uh hook me up with uh Lee Sado. Lee Sado. Locking you in. Lise Doe. Tell me she's got 96, some artsy French film. 96%. The lobster? And she was in si Sister, 2012. Okay, yep. so we, we do have two more actors that are available to draft. I believe it is Roy Keener and, uh, how do you say his name? Billy Mangoon? Magoo? Magnuson. Magnuson. Magnuson? Magoo? Uh, <laughs> is that what you <laughs> what she said uh i believe those are the last two um but here's the thing they both had the same score so it's not going to change anything so we're going to stick with the five and we have a winner it was really close but it was by five percent uh zach with 481 percent and then cole with 486 percent congratulations cole you are our inaugural winner for um the draft anyway action nice. Even the opening scene, there's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's all so predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming. <laughs> Did that surprise you? <laughs> now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Zach, how do you feel about that? Cole's kind of coming back. I think it's 10 to 4 I now. mean, it's back-to-back -back weeks. Back-to-back okay, weeks, right? I have gripes with the setup before we even play. It's it, I have back-to-back -back weeks where I have gripe. A, the, the tiebreaker goes to Cole because I didn't come up with a tiebreaker question gimmick last week. That was a fun <laughs> bit. And then this this week with uh, Cole gets to pick first, and it's not a snake draft just because. Just uh, that was another fun why moment oh, and then uh i don't know and then i guess the eight to four score in general is you know there's an asterisk there because cole has played one more game than me so because he played the first oh game against you gosh so, all these so butthurt oh my he's god so butthurt. such a butthurt. such a poor I'm just saying, it's misrepresentation gosh. it's just a misrepresentation of uh you of, what's actually going on here you have it's double right. the wins that he has and you are just still so like it should be more I, mean, I, I should have more. In my opinion, it know? should be. It should be. Yeah. It's like I'm winning the race, but you're shooting me in the calf while I'm running. So it's like I, I'm going to point oh out that God. I also won that race. I'm winning the race with a you know, bullet in my calf. So I, I'm going to point that out. So I, I want to talk about like the way this movie starts just in general. Yeah. So we're introduced to Leah Sado's character you know, a, a younger version of her. But this is the first time in the franchise Bond is not in the opening scene in, like, mm. the Daniel Craig ones. Well, I mean, it, so, okay, yeah, in that sense, yeah, but in the Bond sense, I would say the opening scene is anything before the opening credits. Like, the it's opening, the Bond opening is what is what happens before the bond song in general is how i would you know that's how you that. define it that's how i define it you know 
But how do you guys feel about that? I mean, there's there's this tension and it's almost like, you know, a horror esque opening like this. This killer's like coming for her and her mother in like the middle of nowhere. You know, it's kind of terrifying in a way. Well, I was just going to say the way that they they shoot uh, uh, Safin. Uh, Safine, is it Safin or Safine? I don't know. Safin, I, I'm definitely think. not going to try to pronounce. Definitely not going to try to pronounce the first name that they got listed for him here. Yeah, the, I, mean, I think this is actually the the only scene in the movie. And I don't want to say the only, but I think this scene more than any other is his most effective scene, and you don't even see his face. Just the way he moves, the way he just kind of like walks in, like he's still like frozen from the cold, and he's moving kind of awkwardly, and he's speaking politely to the mom, you know, before he kills her. And he's just so soft-spoken, and 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 the mask is scary, and it's just such an unknown. And they're in the middle of the nowhere, like you said. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's scary. It's an intimidating villain here, and it's just kind of he gets under your skin a little bit here, which is you know becomes his whole plot later with you know the the virus getting under your skin. And he even I think he has a line like that, like I'm I'm there under your skin or whatever. It's it's I think the opening, you know, specifically the flashback opening with the young Madeline. It's a. It's brought up in Spectre. It's paying off a line in Spectre where she said that a man came to kill my father, and uh, he, she had the gun under the sink or whatever, and that's what she used to shoot him. And then when she's dragging him out, it looks so good. This movie really announces itself as like it's it's not that Spectre didn't look good, but right away this it's retaining that style that Sam Mendes had visually, even though Sam Mendes is gone. It it looks great. And then part two to that is this this opening where she falls through the ice and he just is looking at her. It, it the, the transition of him pulling her out to her to her adult life and we see this event that informed who she is as a character. It puts an emphasis on developing her that I don't I just don't think Spectre had and that's what I talked about last time is that it's I buy her more in her romance with James as a character more in this one that I did in Spectre and also I think this entire opening from the flashback. You know, mainly because of the flashback, but even the way they depicted after that, up through the opening song, is this is like equally her tragedy here that we're dealing with. It's this this whole lack of trust, this breaking of trust that we have here in this opening scene, and we'll talk about the bond element of it in a sec. But it was, it's for something that she didn't do. You know, she's being framed by Spectre, Blofeld specifically, to make it seem like she betrayed James' trust because Blofeld knew that would you know break James's heart but the when he puts her on that train and we we don't stay with him in that moment we we're on the train with her and we should she puts her like hand to her chest like just feeling that like heartbreak right away and I'm like feeling it too watching it knowing the context that she didn't do it and we're watching her try to keep up with James like on as the train's moving as the music starts to play it's really affecting and I think it's a really effective opening even just from her her perspective specifically before we even talk about what it means like for James and all that. But when you're watching it, like I know like looking at watching the opening now, you kind of, you see it as a whole and you understand it a bit more, but like when you're first watching it, you have no idea whether or not she was actually involved in this. And you're like, Oh my gosh, it's happening again. Like I don't like you, you're kind of thrown for like, you're in the same position that bonds in where you're just not sure where you're like, why would this happen? But also it absolutely could because how are all these things adding up? And we find out later that it was adding up because uh, Blofeld was just guessing and he was just assuming that he would go back at some point and he got lucky. 
um but blaming um madeline was i i it's one thing to Makes hurt sense. bond but it's another thing to like he was trying to destroy every aspect of his life including his like the love of his life at this point um even though it's not vesper but yeah i mean it's it's a parallel though it's a perfect opening because yeah he goes to vesper's grave to you know pretty much put it behind him and finally get some emotional closure with it you know he he wrote forgive me on the on the note and burned it and he says i think his one line that he says there is i miss you and that's just oh man it just it hurts man this movie hurts to watch mm-hmm. like in a good way in a really good way it it you it. feel you feel yeah i think i mean we'll we'll talk about it in broader strokes as we go but this the way that this emotionally concludes james like daniel craig's james bond's arc is so satisfying to me and i think it's the strongest aspect of the movie and it all starts in this opening and and we're laying you know the seeds for that so we we've we've brought up vesper you know she madeline wants him to go forgive her and he goes to the grave and he sees the note from specter and it explodes and i'm surprised that didn't kill him by the look of it but it's tense right away when he goes back Mm -hmm. and he's already in like full-on accusatory mode towards madeline naturally so because you know he had that also that that henchman with the eyes said like she's a daughter of specter so i mean blofeld told him to say that if he was captured by bond i'm sure also just these motorcycle chase as well is pretty awesome and you know jumping off the bridge and all that all that stuff the action's cool and then he's like shoving her onto the bed and he's like how'd they know i was here and he's like yelling at her and she just looks scared it, it's I think that's why I believe her right away even the first time I believed her because she looks genuinely terrified in that moment and shocked so I I didn't think that she actually betrayed him but I could see that, that you know it's not you know it's not a guarantee either way at that point in the movie and then he's feeling you know this break of trust from someone he finally loved again like after Vesper did the same thing in that same situation in a different way of course and then when he's in the car they get in the, the car and they're all firing at him, and you see, like, you know, just the glass barely able to withstand all these bullets, and then the guy comes up with the heavier gun, and he's blasting at the window at Madeline, pretty much, and she's, like, begging him to say something, because he's just sitting there. He's cold. In the middle of the square. I mean, he's... Dude, it looks like he's, like, just doesn't care anymore, almost. You know, like, he's angry, but it's, like, when she's, like, screaming... I mean, think of how scary that would be. Like, you don't know at any moment this glass could break and you're dead. And she's screaming mm-hmm. for him to at least say something, because he's not even talking to her at this point. And then he, she goes, like, say something, James, and he just goes, okay, and then he just, you know, flips on the, the guns and, you know, does his, you know, the rolls in the, in the square, taking all these henchmen out. And the music's kicking in there. And by the way, the music of this movie, the Hans Zimmer music, I think it's the strongest in the series so far, the Daniel Craig Bond movies. But like that that theme of like the bump, 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 bump. Like when he's taking like the Bond theme, but like it, it, he remixes it a little bit there for these action scenes. And it's so effective. It, it, it gets me amped like in the opening of this movie. But when all that is said and done and he's driving off the train and that actual No Time to Die song kicks in. And the lyrics are all about, you know, breaking trust between like when you finally trust someone and how they can hurt you. Fool me once, fool me twice. You know, it it is just it's just a a awesome opening from a spectacle point of view. Long opening covers a lot of ground, but the action's awesome. But also just like I said, that emotional spot, it puts you at the end of that opening for the rest of the movie. It's it, I don't I don't want to say the movie peaks early because I wouldn't say that, but it, I think the movie begins and ends at its strongest points, and I think that's 
that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, how would you guys rank the openings of this movie? Like pre-title credit openings to the five Craig Bond movies. I'd say number three. One being Skyfall, just because I love that classic kind of feel Martin Campbell gave to it. Like the black and white. This It was really That's gritty. Because it was gritty as hell. Um and so then, wait, so because okay, you said Skyfall. You said Skyfall. Oh, I'm sorry, so, Sky Casino Royale, then Skyfall. Okay. Uh Skyfall just because take the bloody shot. I mean, it's so hard to watch like M make that call, but it's Judy Dench is so great. Uh and then She really delivers that that one line where she just says, Take the shot. It's take the bloody shot. Right. Keep it going. Uh, we already talked about that movie. You just got to list them off. You know, we, you don't and, need to, you know. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to go Spectre and then Quantum. But this is in the middle. Can, okay. can you remind me of how each movie starts, except besides Casino this Royale. one, Skyfall and Casino Royale? Can you remind me how okay. Spectre so and Spectre Quantum was the helicopter, is- the helicopter in Mexico City, oh. Day of the Dead. And Quantum Solace is pretty much picks up exactly where Casino Royale ended, and it's Mr. White chase. in his trunk of his car. It's like a car chase with Mr. Oh. White in the trunk. Okay, so here's the correct order of where they should be ranked. Casino Royale, Spectre, um, Skyfall, this, Quantum of Solace. You're, you're high. Alright, so I'm gonna go Dude, Skyfall. <laughs> Skyfall. I'm high? No, Skyfall's my one. And then No Time to Die, because this was awesome. And then Casino Royale. It's a very effective intro to the character. Uh, and then Spectre. Spectre is flashing good as it looks. I, I just hate Bond's behavior. We were the, the we legitimately pilot. talked about the absurdity of like the kicking the guy out of the helicopter for about 15 Dude. minutes last time. But it was well, so not, cool. It wasn't the kicking the guy out. It was him choking the pilot. I don't care of him kicking the guy out. That's fine. That was awesome. Uh, it it looks so. To, it was. It, I'm not high. All right, either way, we, we talked about. It. We talked. We had a whole episode about it. Uh, and then Quantum of Solace last. Even though, all the openings are good. All right. Next. Hey guys, guess where we're at now? Opening songs. Rank, rank the five Ooh. opening songs. I, I I don't think I could do that honestly. I really like this one. I think this one's definitely. It probably is my favorite one. Uh, only, but I think that's because I was like, this was the first James Bond movie that I was a part of. Like. The intro, like, oh, I'm getting ready for it. There's all this news. Here's a little bit more news coming out slowly about the movie and just getting me more and more hyped for it. I think this is the first Bond movie that I was actually paying attention to that for. And so when this song came out, I think I listened to it a little bit more than I've listened to any of the other ones. Like, I think I actually listened to it outside of the movie. I don't think I've listened to any of the other ones outside of the movie. Um, Except maybe Skyfall. Uh, so I think this one's probably my favorite and then Skyfall and then the other three kind of just fall in somewhere. I don't, I, I couldn't rank them, uh, besides that, but that's, that's also, I'm, I'm a bit biased because that's how I listened to it. That's how I was a mm-hmm. part of the culture of Bond. Go ahead, Kolsif. Well, you, you know mine. I mean, I've talked about it till I've been blue in the face. You know, my name is probably my favorite one just because also, hell of a fucking title, but what a way to start this series 
Chris Cornell just shredding on the fucking guitar as those intro credits play. You have like all the <laughs> the little casino things going on in the background. So that was, I mean, just to start the series with that song. I mean that that gives it another level of love for me. Um, and then this and this and Skyfall are pretty much tied, and then. Uh, writings on the wall and I don't even I'd say writings on the wall and then the one from quantum oh man what is up with this another way to die hatred out there uh you know my name is my one skyfall two no time to die three another way to die four writing on the wall five uh I like them all though but yeah you Wait, know what you say was your number favorite. one you know my name it was also you know my name is that but is I think that from Casino one, Royale yeah, yeah, that song's okay. awesome. I, I honestly, after I rewatched this movie and I got all sad about the outcome for for 007 James here, I I played that song like on my drive home because I watched it at my brother Sam's house, and I I I was I was feeling the power. I was like, man, this were you guy like is crying in the car, this, singing Chris dude, Cornell? I, I'm, I wasn't crying in the car, but I'll admit that I was crying on my rewatch. I cried on my rewatch. I did. I was. It, that's how it works for me with movies though this was only my second time watching it and usually if there's like a big sad death in a movie it won't emotionally hit me in its heaviest form until I watch it a second time with that context of like knowing it's coming and all that like same thing happened in Endgame and and honestly uh, I don't know there's other examples but like I watch Endgame this, now and it gets me every time like all those emotional anymore, but all those emotional cues we, they really hit different we, for me we can't talk right. about Marvel. We're going to get into a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about Marvel either. But in terms of just movie death, we'll, we'll talk about the death when we get there. But this uh, song, no, like, um, and No Time to Die, I think the difference with this movie is each movie does kind of do a little bit of a reprisal of the main theme during like a scene. This movie uses it a lot during the movie. Like you get hints of that piano, the intro piano to that song a lot during this movie and it's always at moments of just absolute heartbreak it's like a motif which you know for anyone who doesn't know a motif is just like some a recurring element whether it's music or like audio or visual in a movie that is supposed to remind you of a theme or a character or just if, if the filmmaker wants to remind you of something it'll it, and repeat that element it's called a motif and this would be like a motif for just like heartbreak in this movie because they play that music at the beginning like when he's putting her on the train, obviously before the song, but then it, it pops up again when I think he sees her in the hallway or maybe not there, that part when he goes back to her house, you know, when like after she goes back home as an adult and he goes to meet her there and he kind of confesses his love again, they're playing it there and then they're playing it again at the end when, when they're, where the they're talking. All, yeah. When he's not having that last call, they're, they're just playing a little bit of that piano again and it is just Oh man, it is so effective. It it just rips my heart out, you know, because you're just thinking about. And at this point, I'm just going to start talking broad strokes about what this movie is for Daniel Craig Bond. It's it really is a tragedy of a character because this movie kind of continues the the thought from Spectre of like, oh, what would you do if you had a different life? And it's kind of a little underbaked. Inspector doesn't really emotionally hit you at the end when he chooses to be with Madeline. It's not like a big like. Oh, thank God for a moment. It's like, all right, well, let's see how that goes for him. 
And then, so he's, he's, you know, it's like, an, he's a spy, he's an espionage, you know, he's an assassin. And they, they comment on that in this movie that him and Madeline both aren't built to trust and maybe they were silly for trying. But it, for him to be robbed of these years that he could have had with Madeline and then you find out his daughter, he's robbed of these years by Blofeld. And it's, that's just one small part of it. He's robbed of a whole life by this job because you don't have a normal life with it either. And then for him to finally get this life at the end and find out he could have had this, this is what he could have had. He has a taste of that other life, a family, and it gets ripped away from him within a day. Within a day, it gets ripped away from him, like for him, because he can't be with them. He finds out that he can't, if he touches them, he'll kill them. Like that's what Heracles, that was designed specifically for Madeline and Matilde, I think was the name of the daughter. It's... It's just it just rips my heart out, man. It just sucks, uh, and like to think about it's for a character that we've watched now through five movies. It it feels very earned. It's it's been building up for a while, and this is so much more satisfying of an emotional climax for this James Bond, in my opinion, than Spectre was. So, my I guess my general question to you guys is, I'm assuming. Okay, I don't want to assume. Do you guys both like this more than Spectre? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay, so you guys both prefer this as the ending to James Bond, Daniel Craig James Bond, the Inspector's yeah, ending. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to tease something that I have coming later, but I have a pretty hot take when it comes to the ranking of these movies. Oh, um, boy. You know what? Oh maybe, boy, maybe that's it, exciting. Maybe it's, maybe it's not even a hot take. I don't know. But when I, I, was, I was thinking about it, I was getting ready, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I think I've settled in this. So if we want to skip to that, we can. But I, I, <laughs> so I, uh, I, like I, I wanted, I wanted to quite, but I wanted to question you about something that you kind of teased earlier, talked about, or touched on. Mm-hmm. You a said, query, like, it, if you will, you you said this movie starts and ends at its two highest point, and I could not agree with you more because it it just it capped I could not look away at the beginning and then at the end i didn't want it to end you know i just wanted i i wished it could have kept going i didn't want him to go like, <laughs> i did i i didn't want him to go and um and there were just so many great moments packed in both sides of that what was the what was your opinion of the middle part starting when he is in is he in jamaica is that where he is uh, like right after I the know opening, he when he's kind of on his Cuba, own. But when he's, it's like when he's living in that house. Oh, he is. Yeah, retired and living in Jamaica is what it says here. Yeah, yes. I thought I thought they mentioned Jamaica, and so from that moment until, I guess he gets picked up by 007 and they're like on. You know what? I'll yeah. Need I a guess ride? I, I, yeah, and at that point, I say the ending has started. You know, like yeah. we have reached the final. The final moments um so that middle part what like did you have a problem with it i just want to know what your no. thoughts were on it because i i thought well, the middle I mean, I part had little still problems. had those i i, I was gonna say, i i think the middle part still had like those really great moments that you uh that you expect from uh daniel craig james bond like i think the scene with him and blofeld i right. mean that probably could have gone a little bit better but I, way better I really way better like... than any scene that blofeld has inspector i think this is his best scene and it's in one scene in this movie and i oh, think he is more effective easily. here than he is in anything inspector i kind easily, of like easily. the idea that we get this i mean have you guys seen silence of the lambs yes. yeah it's kind of like kind this of Hannibal question. Lecter, Clary Starling type, 
like imagery trying i think yeah but that that. that's what they're going for and it's really cool and by the way the build-up of him coming up with that slow turn and it's just like just coming down the hallway with the drums and the whatever the music was going on there was really effective and honestly before that too where i mean it's these two reunions and like a like a one minute span for Bond that it got to be so jarring and emotionally traumatic yeah. where he runs in, he, he sees Madeline from across the hall and he goes like, I'm not going to lose, you know, and they pause, it goes control. But, Oh man, it's just, and this is honestly a sad moment to watch because he doesn't know what to do emotionally here. And all he knows how to do is turn on his charm and just walk over and be like Dr. Swan, you know, and like put his hand out like that, like nothing's wrong. Yeah. And and yeah. she just kind of looks at him and this, she has no interest in pretending that she's OK, you know, with this interaction, which I respect and I like. And I like that he did that as a character. I like that writing move and that acting move there from Craig and the writers to have him do that because it, it just informs his who he is as a character to this point is that this charm is always like something that he's practiced and put on as like, you know, a performance, not saying that he, he's not a cool guy. He is, but it's all covering up whatever pain is underneath and, you know, any, any psychological scars he has. And that's like, this is like the clearest example of that, even in this one little moment. And and we see that exposed, like almost immediately after when Blofeld kind of does some digging and poking around and eventually like the, the, (laughs) yeah. What whatever's hiding beneath the, the surface kill. in Bond. <laughs> yeah, Bond goes to the Bond goes for the kill on an unarmed prisoner. He says die. Yeah, that's kind of like I think he, I would I would have come up with a different way to I probably wouldn't have had him say die. <laughs> that's almost say nothing at silly. that point. Just let your actions. Yeah, speak. yeah that's like, a little I think more, that effective. Been more effective. It would have been almost like that's there so the audience he, knows what he's what he's trying to do. <laughs> It would have yeah. been more effective if he used like that mumbling to like draw him in, and then we don't hear it. We just see Rory Kinnear like know what's going on, and then kind of rush into the room to stop it. There's another line in the movie that that's my least favorite line of the movie it comes from my least favorite character in the movie, and it's when the gas is coming down at that party, and it's killing all the Spectre agents. And that fucking Russian guy goes, it's it's working. It's killing only Spectre agents. And it's like, that, I get that it. Was for us. <laughs> that was for I'm us. I'm watching the movie. Trust me to not be an idiot. I can. <laughs> it's like, you would not say that out loud to yourself. Like, I don't. It's so, it's for the people who just don't get it, I guess. But I thought it was pretty clear. And I hate that. That guy was annoying. That's my, probably my, in terms of like, oh, what didn't you like in the middle? That, I didn't like that guy. That, that was an annoying yeah. character to me. He, he felt was, out of place. He was it almost felt like he's from a different movie, you know. Eh, I don't know if it was out of place necessarily. I just think like some of the, maybe a eh, maybe a bit. I don't know. I guess I didn't think. I about would it picture that him way. more at home like, in a Fast and Furious movie. I would picture him more as a MacGuffin in a say, Fast and Furious movie than something here. He he'd be uh, the MacGuffin. Yeah, it seems like oh we got to get this Russian scientist because he knows something. We got to get him. You know, it's not like he'd be part of the family. You know they don't bring, they don't bring Russians <laughs> into the family. We know that. Well, we have you guys seen Fast X yet? I don't know. Maybe they did. Oh yeah, no, they did. They had no Russians yet. Not in oh, the family, okay. at least. I, I haven't. I haven't There's... seen it. Uh, no, I'll wow, agree with you. I think that, that character. It, Zach. I I don't know if that uh, was well. No one cares. I, I I agree with you. I think that that was a little bit of a probably not the best choice, but I think like. Um, 
immediately met with uh, Anna de Armas. What was her name in the movie? I can't remember. Paloma. Paloma, Paloma coming great. in. And she was such a positive. Like, she was so good. And I'm so I, I thought that kind of evened out. And so I think when there was like a little bit of a misstep or something that may have not been like the perfect choice, it was definitely met with a good choice. Afterwards. It's small. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's a, yeah, it, it was a small thing. It's not like it like, yeah, it's not like it ruined no, 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 that no. scene I, for me or I, anything. I, I'm not. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like in general, like I think. That was definitely one. Um, I'm trying to think of another little misstep or something else that happened. Uh, I don't know. I thought I, th- I thought it was weird um, in the club when they were all together. I thought that was a, it, it felt the conversation they kind of they had kind of felt a little bit odd and how they were acting around around things kind of talking felt about a like Felix. Bit... Are you talking about like Felix James and um, what's his face the the American who betrayed him Logan Ash Logan yeah I, I I thought like that dynamic was a bit it didn't really fit together well and you find out later why it doesn't fit together well uh it was on purpose but I I think that was like that happened but then you meet the new 007 and I thought that was a good payoff I really She's I, great. I liked her introduction um I liked uh her character a lot um and I thought her kind of like butting heads with James was a good I like a very good dynamic that they had uh, between each other because you could have had it where James just like, and he did kind of say this where he was like, kind of didn't want anything to do with her. But at the end of the day, he knew like she was going to be a good agent because she is part of this program and he believes in the program. And that's why like towards the end when she's like, Oh, I'm coming with you. He's like, thank you because he knows what's ahead of him. He knows that he's going to need all the help he can get. And he knows that she's going to be an asset on the team. And so it I, felt like I a personal thank you. And I really, I really like that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it felt like it, it wasn't like a professional, Oh, thank you for the help. You know, like it was, it yeah. felt like, cause, cause his, you know, his love and his daughter are captured and he's going to a very dangerous mission to save them for her to say, I'm going to come with you without him even asking. It, it, it probably meant a lot to him. Um, yeah. and I, I really, I really like that. And then it, it went both ways because she, she vouched for him to get 007 back for that mission. I thought you that, know, was she, that was a her cool thing. little, cool little thing too, because she realized, you know, I, I may be but... d- different version of this like agent, but I respect what he's done. You know, it was a little passing of the torch. Yeah, yeah, I think she seeing seeing him work up close, you know, he's he's I, pretty cool. Did, I did like that him, guys... him putting him there with Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, come on, Corey. No, keep keep going, Zach. Keep going. You're on a roll. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it was just that uh that scene with him and Ana de Armas's Paloma. It's it's funny putting Bond with who's clearly a, a pretty fresh agent. Like she said she had three weeks training and she's kinda nervously she drinks her martini like in one sip. And yeah. she's just like she starts unbuttoning him for his suit without even thinking, and she's like, "Oh, ne- never mind, you can do that," and like hands him the suit. It's like, and she just seems so excited and bubbly, and that's mixed with like the extreme violence that she's capable of when the action starts. So that's that's a bit of you know comedy there. Uh, that's probably one of the characters that Phoebe Waller Bridge probably you know helped write on because she was one of the writers on this one. Like, and so like she she's a positive in her one you know small section of the movie for sure and they're di- putting bond with that that dynamic where he's you know clearly i mean he's looking out for her but you know he also trusts her to do her job but i, I just like how supportive he is <laughs> through that whole interaction like it's like kind of <laughs> like a, you're doing great you know <laughs> like he doesn't like give her any doubts like hey don't don't fuck up and let me die like he doesn't have to he doesn't give her any like thing that she doesn't already know like she doesn't feel, he doesn't feel like he has to be an authority here even though she's clearly the newbie he just treats her like an equal and they do the job. 
and and at the end he's like, well, you did you did great, and then you know I, next time I'll stay longer. So that was a, a brief but really well written and performed, you know, relationship. I was gonna ask you guys, uh, how did you guys feel about her giving the double O status back to Bond? I didn't really feel like it was necessary, honestly, and I thought I, it was I, just I like didn't feel like but... it was necessary, but I felt like it was like just like uh, it was her acknowledging that they were colleagues at this point and like this mutual respect you know yeah but it was I, a I weird like... it was a weird way to do it but I, I feel like we got that when she was in the car and she was like our like our plane has been chartered like we're on the way to the airport now and then he's like our plane and she was like oh yeah i'm coming with you i thought that was like the moment yeah. of mutual respect and i thought that like that scene got across the point better than i would like bond to have his 007 uh, call sign again and it's just yeah. like oh, 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 maybe okay. maybe like, they didn't, didn't really even know what to we say got it maybe they didn't think we got it yeah you know maybe it was but them it, it, just like, reinforcing it i i think m felt the same way we felt because he was just like oh okay but yeah you can have it i don't care just go. you guys gotta he's do this like, mission like <laughs> he's, I, don't, I don't give a shit like you can you, you can make your you can, every, names whatever he was like everyone can be 007 yeah it doesn't matter we'll call you whatever you want us to call you just go get this done like figure this out 007 yeah, is a state of mind you yeah. know I, I you know what you know what i think it would have been or would have been better if they would have like after the movie when they all got together and had that little drink to bond, they would have like shown that they retired 007 or something. I think that would have made the point mm. more than I would like that bond to have. If she, it, you know? that would be. I think that would have been better. If, yeah, she decided to retire it, you know, for him at the end and like give it up yeah. to retire it. Like after he's already gone, I think that yeah, that probably would have been better, and that would have probably done more than the the little line that M reads, even though that is actually a good, I actually do like that little brief, you know, memorial service that they have for him. No, where I, he reads that I quote. Like, it like it's like, you know, it's, it's cause it, cause it fits like what we were saying about bond, not having, it, it's one of those things that goes into the theme of bond, not having that normal life. Cause well, at the very least bond did, I mean, he used his time in terms of, he made a difference and he threw himself out there, caution of the wind. And, you know, he saved people and, he did a really dangerous job and that required a lot of courage and sacrifice. And so they respect him for that. So it's like, okay, that, you know, you don't use your years trying to prolong them. You just, you, you live in your years, which is something that I love about this character and, and characters like this in general. But also you had that line earlier and this line kind of hit me when Felix is dying in the boat, his last, you guys remember the mm. last thing he says? No. No, his I last line when it's clear that he's dying he just goes, he just looks at James and just goes, it's a good life, isn't it? And then James just like, just goes the best. And then he dies as in, like, and it wasn't oh, yeah. like it's, it was out of, it wasn't like that was a reply to something they said. It was just pretty much just like a, I, this is it moment where you just like, it, like this life was worth it. Right. Like it's where, even though it ends like this, this, like we've been living the best type of life you can live. Right. And it's like, he just needs that. It makes sense as a last thought. Like what was my life worth when he realizes he's dying and, Man, that part kind of hurts too a little bit. Not as much as the James death later, but it's a parallel. It sets that up. It sets that death up thematically for James later in the movie, and I think it's it's done pretty well because you know it's it gives him also that little bit of motivation when he kills the Logan Ash character in the woods by you know pushing the car down on him. Uh, that was that, that was, was cool. awesome. My brother's yeah. name was Felix Leiter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good. all all goes back to that oh. line where when Felix and Casino Royale, he's like, 
you see that we're brothers, you know. It, it, me and my uh, my friends, my, my college roommates, uh, used to love saying, um, like, I'm, I'm bleeding chips, which is what he says in Casino Royale. And so when we, we used to love saying that, and then when he we saw him got shot in the movie, it was we all immediately like guys like oh, he's bleeding blood and it's like it's it's like like this is different now this is complete they're taking our boy away uh that was that that death worked for me uh did you guys have any thoughts on the felix in this movie or bringing him back after being gone for the past two movies i thought it was a good way to bookend like the franchise yeah you know yeah that's exactly what i thought cole yeah we're saying goodbye to bond but we're also saying goodbye to someone who did act as kind of his counterpart in like for the American audience, you know, the CIA agent and the double O agent. Well, you saying that Cole, that makes me, I'm just going to, I was maybe going to save this for my final thoughts, but I'll just bring it up now is that the way this movie feels, I brought this, brought this up last episode that Spectre tries to wrap up, it feels like it's trying to wrap up the series in that movie by connecting it to previous movies. And it just felt this ingen- like it felt unearned. It didn't really feel like it was built up enough. Whereas this as a conclusion does feel like it is summing up. It does feel stylistically in tone with Spectre and Skyfall while also the connections to Casino Royale or Quantum Solace, like it's all baked in there in a really organic way that it, it you feel his journey his complete journey more in this movie i think mainly because of the lack of trust between him and and madeline and how that's such a central part of the movie and how that you know mirrors the vesper situation and you know his entire arc how it's informed by that this just feels like such a more cohesive conclusion there and and like you said felix being back and honestly you use better here than he is in quantum of solace definitely for sure in my opinion it, it it's that's part of it. That's that's part of what makes this movie feel like such a like a just a, a neat fifth and final chapter in this series. Definitely for sure, in my opinion, that was great. That was yeah. Did you like? It, I mean, it's it. I'm a poet, you know, so poet and I know it. For sure with that. Uh, no, I agree. I, I I definitely like the usage of uh, Felix here, and I you know what I I don't mean this in a bad way where I but I didn't really notice that he wasn't in the last two. Like until you just said that he wasn't in the last well, two, they, I didn't, didn't even need notice. Him. It didn't need him, you know? It, yeah. And they didn't need him. So they, I, I think they were using him correctly. And even here, they, it was such an effective death that it just like, I, I don't know. Cause like you're saying goodbye to bond, but bond is also like, like you said, it's a tragedy. He's going through it with like every aspect of his life, not just work, but also, or not just uh, his family, but also with work. And it's just like, all this stuff kind of uh, accumulating and we see how it pays off at the end. I think it's really good. Uh, I did want to touch on the scene that you mentioned when Bond tips the car on uh, Ash. What was his name? Mm-hmm. Ash what? Logan Ash. Logan Ash. Logan Ash. Logan Ash. I'm sorry. Um, when he, he tips the car on that, I, I really liked that entire set piece that they were going through, like from the chase, um, that mm-hmm. whatever bridge that was, I think we talked about this when the movie came out, whenever he's like driving down the bridge and like those other two cars come around. Like I thought that was such, that was such a cool visual that you see. Like it, it, it looked very good. Uh, whoever the um, scout or site scouts were for this movie. Tip top location. Uh, location. Scout. Location. Location. Scout. Sc- lo- location. Scouts did an excellent job. They found great. Yeah, I mean, this movie overall uh, looks great. 
which I which is a big oh. positive. This movie yeah. looks beautiful. Also, I, just like Skyfall. Um, I mean, we've talked about this scene in the woods. I really just want to talk about it in the respect where Bond. It's it's a different side of Bond that we're seeing mm-hmm. there. Like he's he's in the elements he's in a way. He's hunting, but out he's there. so he's. He's so smart. He's so calm. He's so cool. He's hooking up that wire. I love the scene when like Logan's car flips and then he like continually shoots it. He's like it. firing at it as it like yeah, as it's like that was in the trailer. This by the way has one of the best trailers of all time, for sure. I remember this trailer being like just an all-timer. Yeah. But I mean, Bond and in that scene also he just looks great i mean i love the white shirt the black pants the coat i mean it's it's just a great look on him and he i mean he's a badass through the entire yeah, sequence it reminded me of that scene in a born identity where born is out there you know it's it's different from the usual action you see him in where born born's out there kind of in the middle of the field with a hunting rifle and he's going against one oh, other agent yeah. in that scene but this was this. It kind of reminded me of that in in a, in a you know I guess small way. But him out there in the foggy forest where I, and and again they have like motorcycle sounds in the forest that you hear distantly. It's kind of scary a little. It's ominous. So I think that scene is directed really well. And again, it looks great. And the action scenes in general. There's actually for such a long movie. I feel like this is this is definitely the longest of the five. Right. It's like a full hour so. longer than Quantum of Solace. Like the full hour longer. Which is crazy to think about. This, there really is not that many action scenes for such a long movie, and I don't say that as a negative. Really, I mean it's a patient movie, and they and they develop these. There's a lot of plot in this movie, so they have to spend a lot of runtime on that, I guess. But when you think about it, there's really just the opening, then there's the mm-hmm. shootout in Cuba, and then there's the forest, and then there's the, the climax. Yeah, that's a sure. I don't know if I would call that really an action scene as much as it is like it's flooding. That's a pretty brief one, but I guess you could count that too. But also, like, and those I don't bring that up scenes, as a negative, but they work. They're good. They're all good. But they're so big. Like, they are, like, and they're, like, the ending. The ending is probably like 40 minutes of the movie, and it's almost entirely action. Like, yeah, there are definitely uh, those small moments, like, those plot moments, but basically it is all an action scene. Once Bond gets to the island, it is just action from that point forward. Um, the the forest scene, like we said, that one's a big one too. Like that one's really good. Uh, the beginning and then where'd you say in Cuba? Oh yeah, with yeah, uh, the, Paloma. The, yeah, Anna, yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I thought you were talking about in Jamaica. I was like, I don't. But you no, know yeah, what? you're right. But they they it, did. I I thought it was well executed, very worth the time. I I really liked it, and I I like that they don't overdo it with trying to do like action scene here, action scene here, action scene here. It's just like we know what we're gonna do, and we're gonna make sure we do it very very well in these spots. Yeah, yeah. I uh another thing I, I think we should bring up before we wrap up action here is uh so what did you guys overall think of the villain here, uh, Safin? I. I couldn't have had him in like half the movie. He could have just appeared at the end and I would have felt the same way about him. I mean, he just, he did nothing for me. I I disagree. I, I, I liked him. I thought he was very scary. The only issue that I had, but like the first time I was watching, he was like an adult when Madeline was a little girl and now yeah, it and seems he's like they're still an adult, but he, it seems like he's not that much older, but I think in this one, I, 
I think I was looking too much into it. Um, let's say he's like time. our think, age at the one, beginning because he's wearing a mask. We don't we really don't know how old. Let's say he's like our, he could have been age, like maybe a couple years old. Let's say know. he's twenty. Let's say he's like twenty five at the opening. Yeah, I, and then let's say we're like twenty to twenty five years in the future. You so know, he's like 50 so or he, 55, 40, 45 That's what I was thinking this 50. time. The first time I watched it, I was like, he's probably like forty, and like in the majority of the movie. So he had been like 15, like Cole, you said, but I, I think, I think I was uh, underestimating how old he actually was trying to portray. Cause I think this time you could actually see that he was older. Um, but I liked him. I thought he was actually really scary. And I kind of liked that he was more in the background and because he, I mean, he, he was after a certain thing. So it kind of reminded me of, uh, Silver. See, but I don't really Silva? know what he was really after, though. I mean, I know he, he wanted the, after the, he wanted death. Heracles, but like, what the fuck is he gonna do with it after? Like, I I thought his overall plan was a bit vague. Yeah, but I think that's also kind of what scared me well, a little bit more. But I, it also, also could have been a beat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say it also could be a little bit more of recency bias because I mean they were dealing with like a disease almost that was killing a certain group or certain people, and so that was kind of scary. But um since we just went through that. Uh, but I, I, I thought that not it, it kind of being in the shadows a little bit. And then, you know, that he has a personal vendetta against one of the main characters. I thought that was enough for me. I, I feel like sometimes we get too much into the semantics with like, Oh, this is exactly what the, the villain is trying to do. And then we get to like, what, why, why does he want that? You know? But in this case, it's like, he's after a weapon that could be used for, God knows what and so many different things and he can like he can do whatever he wants with it like if he wanted to have all the money in the world he easily could have if he wanted to wipe out a certain ethnicity he easily could have done it if he wanted to kill everyone and just go crazy and be a psychopath like he easily could have done that and so I think the the your imagination kind of takes over in that aspect where you're like this villain like not knowing exactly where he is and what he's going to after kind of makes it a little bit scarier and a little bit more like on edge about what's going to happen. And you don't exactly know. So, I mean, maybe they could have like given him a few more, uh, personal, oh my God, motivations that we could have latched onto. But I think, uh, the, his motivation against Madeline was enough for what we were trying to, look at you know i didn't we because we, that was definitely part of what he was trying to do we saw that from the very beginning you know i think he his scene with be. madeline is is effective like that initial therapy session i just overall i, I don't i would i think i'm somewhere in between you guys on this one he's definitely i don't i think i liked him more this time around than i did in when i saw him in theaters the first time when this movie first came out i think i think i thought he was like like my least favorite of the five Craig villains, which at this point I don't think so. I think yeah. I think he's probably probably right there in the middle for me. Which, by the way, a quick quick one two three four five Silva Lashif Safin Dominic Blofeld. There, there's my one two three four five of the of the oh, Bl- Craig Blofeld's villains. at the bottom. Counting him specifically for Spectre, Spectre like main villain yeah. of each movie. His one scene in this movie would put him above Dominic probably overall. But if you're going movie by movie, this I, would be. I the, was gonna- I was taking it all overall, and I think I would just switch the bottom okay, two. Then I, I, then I, then yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would move Blofeld up one then at that point, then above the Quantum of Solace guy. But 
uh, yeah, I think I think his plan was a little too vague for my taste, but I see what you're saying, Corey. And then it does bring up like the fact that he he's also like you know also an enemy of Spectre, like Bond. And I think the one scene he has with Bond, you know, which is interesting that the main Bond villain they don't even meet until the climax. That's that's interesting. And I kind of actually, at first I was like that's kind of lame, but then the more I thought about it, the the after the big the fumble of. Blofeld in the last one with this personal connection to John, or James and have it how it's all a vendetta against James to have a villain who really didn't doesn't really care about Bond and is literally willing to let him go at the end of the movie I wonder how many times that happens where he's like giving him an offer be like you can go and I'll give you your daughter too you know <laughs> like like so it's like <laughs> he really doesn't care about Bond like it's the Bond is incidental to the plan it's all about Madeline and then whatever his mm-hmm. overall plan is after that and that, obviously that's where the conflict comes from. But the way that he wipes out Spectre, I thought was a little too easy for all of Spectre to be gone just from that one party. It's a little silly. It's 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 sweeping up last movie's scraps a little too neatly, I think, as a plot device. But I do, I didn't love the way Spectre. Okay, I, 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 like I said in the last movie, Spectre overall was a bit silly, and then the organization and Christoph Waltz specifically, I, I wasn't a big fan of. So the fact that they do continue these threads here and bringing back Blofeld and that, and we've already talked about that one to see how I think it's a lot better. I do appreciate that they they were willing to stick by that and then build it up more because I, I, I buy Blofeld more in this movie, you know, and that his overall plan and character after, you know, the way things play out here. It's just that the way that they get rid of Spectre so fast is kind of, I don't know, it's a little convenient for the plot, but it's it's mm. that would be like a minor grievance for me. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think the Spectre was, I mean, I guess it wasn't terrible, but I, I don't think it was as well received as they would have hoped. And so I think they were just trying to move on from that plot. And this was an easy way of just saying, okay, it's gone. Let's move on. Like, Let's do kill it. Else. Yeah. <laughs> kill it. Um, I had a question for you guys before yeah, we move it. on. Because I have one other, I uh, also have a fun prompt question as well before we move on. <laughs> Uh, so, well, uh, this isn't a fun prompt one. This one's like more of about the timing. So this came out right after COVID-19, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. and you kind of see, and so this one's about robots or little micro robots going into your bloodstream and kind of changing your DNA to be able to earn like attacking certain things. Um, so it it felt like that's what COVID was in real life. Well, no, no, no. I was saying, do you think they changed it when they were originally writing it? Do you think it was actually supposed to be a disease that you were able to like genetically code but instead of not being actual robots this was actual disease that they found and developed and it could like go out there and be and well, they like changed it last minute to be robots that would be i think and that's so too big like, of a change oh, i think off. because uh, this I, movie I was finished so. before COVID. this no because i think this was finished before COVID. they just delayed the release you know, I know, like but they didn't like. I, you wouldn't have to change much because all you had to do is like change a couple lines when you're explaining what it is. But like the where they were, they were dealing with plants. They had that entire area that looked like they were growing something. So it and there was like a gas coming off of it, and it was acidic. So I, I, I it felt I, like it, all the pieces were there for it to be just a disease. And like at the last minute, they were like, "Too soon! Like this just happened. Well, let's just change it to like robots, and we can keep it basically the exact same thing." Except I think that would be now. too implausible for it to not be robots. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I would not buy okay. a garden that can specifically target whole ethnicities with certain 
you know, things you could do to it, you know, or like certain family <laughs> if members. If you sprinkle salt on it, then it kills. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, I, so, yeah. so I have, I have this, you know, these, these chemicals and these poisons here. And if I add this little bit here, it will only get your family. It's like, yeah, uh, okay. I don't, I, I don't think it would work without sense. robots, you know, cause you need that, the DNA to be mixed in. Uh, Zach, I guess one last, it's, it's a kind of a complicated one to dance around because I don't want to spoil things for people who haven't seen certain movies, but, Last thing I'll say about the Craig death here, Daniel Craig Bond death here, is after watching it this time, in terms of franchises, because I'm not going to say this blanket statement for all movies, even though it, even though it might be the case, I just didn't even want to extend it to that because I didn't want to put in on all that thought before this episode, and I didn't want to spoil one-off movies for other people. I think from a franchise perspective, in heroes and franchises, I think this is the saddest hero death for me, in terms of, like, Ever, mm. and I had a Sadder list than here. Logan. I was about to say I have a list here, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I guess it just doesn't really. At this point, if you're listening to this, you probably know all these already. But I'll I'll speak vaguely. This is sadder to me than anything in Star Wars. So the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. had some a few big deaths, and I think this is this was sadder for me than all those. Well, uh, they more all came so back, than the so. ones in. Well, more so than the ones in Endgame. I think for me that those would be the big mm. two ones in that one, and that people always talk about the one big one at the end, but there's really two of them in Endgame that are pretty effective. Um, the other one taking place before the final climax for the Soul Stone. Again, I'm speaking vaguely here, just in case there's someone who hasn't seen it. And then there's uh, a T2 one. There's I, I think put it this way: this one is sadder than. Any other one? And I was curious: Is there one that you guys had? There's also one in a Scream movie that we talked about recently. That I think this one is sadder for me than that. Um, Cole, mm. what you were indicating? What'd you say, Cole? Uh, I would. I mean, for me, just Logan. I mean, yeah. I I I think this would be sadder than Logan for me. But that was the big one I was also considering. I I think at the moment Tony Stark was the saddest one for me. Um. But I, I think looking back on it now and like kind of reflecting on it, this one was really sad watching it. Uh, so I, I, I'd have to rewatch it's the context here. Yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to rewatch. But I think it's definitely up there. Definitely top five for sure. I can't name it off the top of my head right now. But if I had to, I think this would be probably uh, number two or three. And I think uh, Mar- uh, Tony Stark is definitely number one. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think why this one is sadder for me is the Tony Stark one. And I, I guess it doesn't matter. I, I Tony Stark it, it also really leaves Everyone his knows. wife and daughter. Um, yeah, but it's different. He made he made that conscious decision to do that, and he had time with them. Whereas Bond for five years was not with them. Tony just had five years with them. Bond finds out that he could have had a family for the past five years, and then the, the next day he gets it gets something that's like oh and if you touch them again they'll both die <laughs> so it's i don't know I, I don't really have a final point it's just i'm just going in circles with how how sad this all made me let's move on to the award season apparently they straight off course and we're fairly certain they're in gorilla hands so why don't you use the regular army what do you need us for because some damn fool accused you of being the best cool go ahead buddy I'm going to go with the screenwriters 
for this film. So that would be Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, Carrie Fukunaga, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Scott Z. Burns. You know, there were some weak moments, like you said, the Spectre guy, like it's killing all of Spectre or whatever. The scientists in the lab that Nate Nomi's like kind of like basically acting as like the... this weird like Small exposition pox. machine but it has some very like heartfelt and great moments and it's a it's a good bookend to for a character that i really love and that's james bond and you know you don't get a great james bond yes you get him with a great performance but you don't get him without great writers either and that's something this movie kind of has in spades uh, okay, so my MVP is going to be Daniel Craig. I He is my Bond. I know we talked a lot about like, oh, how the tropes with the old Bonds, and we talked a lot about their impact that they've had on the series and uh, the different aspects that have been brought by different directors, different characters, and um, okay, also, I'll, I'll try to speed it up. <laughs> uh, it, and the... He just kind of set the tone for me. I, I And because of this, I do want to go and look at the other ones. And these movies would not have been the same without him. And I know we say that about a lot, but I, I honestly do not cannot imagine someone else in this position. And I'm very interested, and I have a very high bar for whoever they pick next, and that's because of Daniel Craig. So I'm, I'm taking him for no time to die, one, because he was incredible, but I'm going to take him as my overall as well, just because, like, how can you not? You know, he made these what they are. Um, he has chemistry with everyone you put on screen, whether they have chemistry with him, that's a different question, but he, he just, he radiates like this incredibly like confident masculine energy that you're just like, Oh my gosh, like this guy is amazing. Where did this, like this guy, he definitely doesn't exist because he's just so, um, out of this world. But I, I, from, yeah, I, I, I love him. He's definitely my MVP of this movie and of the entire franchise. Yeah, he's just a piggyback off what you said. He he's definitely obviously I've only seen seen a few Pierce Brosnan ones and then one, you know, Sean Connery one, but this I can't imagine anyone else could be my bond. Obviously, generationally speaking, that makes sense, but he's just mm. so damn good. And he radiates cool mm. like you were saying, and he's got that chemistry with everyone and then just this to be such a good completion of that arc and he hits those emotional moments at the end. So, I'm going to make uh I was going to th- thinking about saying Carrie Joji Fukunaga the director and who also contributed to the screenplay as my MVP, but you know, he was kind of included with the writers thing with Cole. And I do want to commend him mm-hmm. for, you know, wrapping this whole series up really, really well, like I was saying earlier and cohesively. So, I'll, but I'll just make my MVP a co MVP between Hans Zimmer and um, Billie Eilish for just the music oh. in this movie. Cause it was, it was hitting the perfect moments, you know, that like ex- it was getting me to feel exactly how it wanted me to feel so it was effective and like i said earlier <laughs> i think exactly. this was the i i knew what they wanted me to feel in all these moments and it, it was working it's that heartache man that i was telling you about man this movie just i get heartache thinking about it after it's over like in terms of mm-hmm. just overall it's one of the saddest blockbuster movies i've ever seen <laughs> so yeah. yeah but they the between the song and the score and again i'll bring it up one more time that that action version of the main Bond theme where it's like, I'm going to just put it here. I'm just going to add it in. (laughs) 
Okay, so <laughs> moving moving on to that was long story short, Han, long Han story Zimmer, short. Billy. <laughs> long Billy story Eilish. short, Hans Zimmer, Billy Eilish. Okay, uh, moving on to the review section. Says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, your kind, not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. Uh, Cole, you want to go first? Okay. Uh, star rating, I'm going to go 3.75 out of 5. This is not going to top Skyfall for me, but it comes pretty damn close. It's really great. It's, as Zach said like 50 times in that last little spiel he gave, it's really fucking sad. I mean, this movie is just really, really man, sad it just hurts, on man. so it just many hurts levels. To think about. But it's the good kind of sad, you know? And James does know that somewhere his family will be okay. And like he said, we have all the time in the world, you know? Oh, that last moment will last him forever. And there's something beautiful about that. And... You know, it's a it's a beautiful way to say goodbye to a very tragic version of this character. I'm going to go Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, Spectre, and then Quantum. That's pretty mm. good. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, here's my hot take. So this is where I, I, yes. I kind of teased this earlier. I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. I'm going to I think I gave... I think I gave Skyfall the same thing and I gave Casino Royale 4.75 or it was somewhere around there. But I loved this movie and I, I don't think anything missed with me. Like I said, like you guys had, you were a little iffy on um, the villain and like Cole, you said you were a, a little bit not sure and didn't really sit well with you. Uh, but I, I loved like almost every aspect of this movie i did not want to stop watching it i from like like you said it starts out with the one of its highest notes it kind of drops down maybe a little bit and slows down but then it just crescendos the entire time until you get to the end and i'm just like oh it was so good i could watch this movie again today and then tomorrow i loved this movie and it, it the the ending just so emotionally impactful and i just feel like oh, yeah. everything tied up together by the end of it so well that I, I was so satisfied, but also so heartbroken about what happened. I, I just, I love this movie. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, your series ranking. Oh, you want me to do it now? Uh, yep. did we get, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, here's hear mine it. It is Casino Royale. No time to die. Mm. Skyfall, uh, Spectre, Quantum of Solace. Wow. 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 I very nice. I love this movie. Yeah, I I definitely felt better about it, even more so on a second viewing than I did after theaters. And I remember really liking it after theaters. And by the way, guys, if you guys remember the tease from last episode, the phrase that we kept saying was "Bond Bond died today." My own rating, I'm gonna give this movie a four out of five, and it's but it's definitely closer to four and a half than three and a half. I think. What 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 can I say that I haven't been saying? you know, the past, you know, multiple episodes, including this one. So four and a half out of five, I'm going to go Skyfall, Casino Royale, No Time to Die, Spectre, Quantum of Solace. So that's, that's my one, two, three, four, five. So you, so you like Skyfall more than you like Casino Royale? Yep. Little, little by little tiny bit, little tiny bit. Okay. 
you know i i don't hate that yeah i don't hate it but tell you what man this overall this series why i think it's one of my favorite movie series ever is it, whereas like indiana jones for instance i think those it's best three movies overall i think are a better overall three movies than the best three movies of this series but why i think i like this series overall more as an overall series is because it ends really well whereas you know i do think dial of destiny is good but it's it this is a much stronger conclusion i think to this series than that was overall even though i like that movie you know we don't know we don't know if dial of destiny is the last movie well i hit my buzzer so it has to be oh okay <laughs> that's right and I feel I like know, did I, feel, I hit my buzzer? I can't remember. I don't know. I think you might. Have. Either way, I don't feel like I have to hit my buzzer for this one because I have a good feeling that Daniel Craig is not coming back for another Bond movie. Uh, even though they could theoretically set yeah. one between Spectre and this, I don't know why they would ever want to do that. But I, I, I don't. To be fair, I, if they said that they were doing that, I don't think I would be mad. I'd be like, sure, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like honestly, like I, it, it doesn't affect this as the ending, so this would still hit the same. It would just, you know, yeah. It, the, the emotional character arc is still there for for him, like, and we know where it's going. But this would, you know, it, it would be hard to say no to Daniel Craig again. But again, that's not happening. So that's that's just conjecture. All right. So post credit scene. Yeah. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Here's a reveal. Our next franchise is kind of interesting because it's not exactly a franchise, but Uh-oh. it is. It's a series. It's, it's like a, I'm spir- it's a spiritual trilogy from Edgar Wright. We are doing the Cornetto trilogy, which means Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End. So they are, you know, different movies, different characters, but all coming from the same creative team and main actors. You know, I've seen Hot Fuzz and uh, and I just watched Shaun of the Dead. But I have not seen World's End. Wow, that'll be I haven't seen it since theaters, so this will be very and that was twenty thirteen, so ten when, years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be like you see it with fresh eyes. Yeah, you know, oh, it's pretty yeah, it's gonna be pretty fresh. Of, you know, I'm excited to talk about Sean of the uh Shaun of the Dead whenever we get to that. You know, it could be any time now. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> well, it is next episode. We have, no, we have no idea. It is next episode. We do it know that. It is the next episode, but like, for, but that's but that's for the audience, you know. Like we we kind of change things up and move things around. They never know what our next step's going to be. Mm. But I am excited to talk about that. Um, what are you watching, Zach? Zach, what are you watching? What am I what watching? What are you watching? Uh, I always do this, and I always have to check my letterbox. Oh, I watched uh, the latter two Child's Play Chucky sequels, which were really good. Really, probably the best straight to DVD movies ever made. I think. Um, Curse was, of Chucky. You kind of Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. Oh. It is the sixth and seventh oh. movies in the Chucky series. And I would honestly, if you've, oh. what I love about them is, um, they are just sticking to the continuity like that they've been doing since 1988. And these are more recent movies, and they're it's it's still funny. It's still effective to me. You know, a serial killer trapped in a doll's body is just naturally funny to me it's just, it's just like this this used to be my biggest phobia growing up like chucky used to give me nightmares like legitimately he was the scariest thing to me in the world and now i think he's hilarious like and like not in uh and it's supposed to be it's not like oh this is so dumb that it's funny it's like he's like genuinely a funny character he's a funny little psychopath um hmm. i i don't know if we'll ever talk about these movies one day but i would vouch for it because i think they're all i think the, they bottom out through the seven movies well, there have been eight because there's also a remake with Mark Hamill. Um, the, they bottom out at like a two and a half out of five for me. 
So like it's a very consistent series, and I think the first one is my favorite. But it, you know that's it's like a four out four out of five for me. Either way, point is love the Child's Play slash Chucky series, and I'm excited to watch the show, which is continuing that same continuity. And it's you know it's all canon, and apparently it's pretty good. So I'm excited to watch that. <laughs> I love canon. Oh yeah, can't get enough of it. Uh, I. I thought I saw you watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Was that you? Was that yeah? Else? I was no, it was me. I was just watching that, you know, with uh, with when I was babysitting my my little nephew. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. He bodied uh, it. He was not. He was not scared. The little one year old was not scared. Wow. Hey, look at that. You know, I am glad Cole's not here for what I've been watching. Oh, yeah. I just he had to go to dinner. By the way, the, people. The, that's why Cole's not here. He had to, yeah. he had a dinner. I just, I just finished. I just finished the first season of The Bear. Oh yeah, I gotta it was watch really it. Good. I gotta get to it. Um, I was just looking for something to watch, and it was it's short episodes, and I was like, you know what? I'll just give it another chance. And it it is quite the anxiety roller coaster that you're on. That's what I've heard. But you know what? You just you, you can't help but just like love these characters. Like they are so good, and they and there's just so like ah, they're good. Uh, so highly recommend. I just finished the first season. I'm planning on starting the second season here probably this weekend is when I'll get to it. And Winning Time, I'm starting that up. Uh, I just rewatched the first episode to get my mom on it. I think she she liked it. I Maybe. I think she liked the first episode. But uh, I'm going to start getting back on that and getting into season two. Nothing nothing crazy. Nothing crazy from the chorister. From the chorister. All righty. Well, that'll do it for Daniel Craig Bond movies. I hope you've enjoyed this five-episode oh. run. I sure have. Oh, yeah, Corey, you got another thing? By the way, you can find um, Shaun of the Dead, which is what we'll be covering next. You can find that on Amazon Prime for free. Good looking like if out. If you have an Amazon Prime some subscription, um, you can find that. I will let you know about Hot Fuzz. I believe that's the same thing, and then I'm not too sure about World's End, but we, we will good, let you know how to watch I've it. I've always been thinking that we got to start doing that, and I always forget that we, we should always try to let people know where they might be able to watch these movies, you know, at the end of the previous episode before yeah. them so good call on that thank you very much Corey. uh give us a like uh you know <laughs> and a good review if you're so inclined and or a share or you know like all the usual things we say that you guys don't do please do that and then um that'll <laughs> that'll just Cole, you got anything to add cole is not here guys um okay so <laughs> i'm gonna have to take that out uh, <laughs> uh that's so funny Okay, well, uh, it's been a pleasure. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, tune in next week for Shaun of the Dead. Thank you. Bye.